Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, senior editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is legal expert Anna Gressel. She returns to the program today to discuss the impact that AI will have on legal workflows from document processing to the skills law professionals should focus on as they conduct their work in tandem with these emerging technologies. A quick note that the viewpoints expressed on today's program are solely Anna's and do not reflect the views of any firm she has worked for past or present. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Anna, thank you so much for being with us on the program once again. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be back with you. So taking a, a larger step back here, looking at how a lot of these technologies are going to change the legal profession writ large, uh, what kind of data is becoming more valuable in the legal profession? What kinds of data are firms finding more valuable? Valuable. I mean, I think it is, you know, rather than taking it from a data perspective, I think I would take it a little bit more from from the perspective of skills discussion and a capabilities discussion. We're okay. seeing a huge amount of experimentation within the legal industry to try to figure out, can we build in efficiencies into processes that have largely been very manual and very much focused on kind of human judgment and analysis? And do we want to, is it the right time to make those more automated? And what are we, you know, potentially gaining from automating those capabilities? And what are we potentially losing? I mean, I think that's the conversation right now with generative AI that is exploding on the legal scene. But in terms of the, mm -hmm. in terms of the kinds of data that drives that, I mean, it can be everything. If you think about lawyers, we're very language -oriented. Right. Did, right. And we have a huge number of language based databases. I think every firm does that have things like legal briefs and contracts and, you know, diligence questions and everything that, you know, we have as firms put together over many years. And so there are questions about whether we can draw insights, new kinds of insights from uh, those large corpuses of uh, legal materials. Absolutely. Let me take the point of view that you're suggesting from skills and let's talk about generative AI for a moment. Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, like the legal profession and the distinct skills, something we hear a lot in the healthcare space, especially, is just this point of responsibility. Like for the time being, even if you could come to a court and say, listen, you know, we have all the scientific data that says the robot surgeon can do it better. And you, there is still just going to be a certain institutional weariness of putting, you know, an automated system in that much responsibility, you know, especially for the sake of patient experience. That's mirrored with what banking leaders talk about in customer experience. I'm sure law firms are talking about the same things in client experience right now in a lot of the same ways and a lot of the in a lot of, you know, of course, very different pipelines, but all the same making sure that, you know, clients are being, you know, taken care of by a responsible human being and that that is, you know, falling into the correct ethical decision making in terms of who bears the responsibility for a lot of legal exposure. I know we mostly uh, have been talking in the past few episodes about corporate law. So, uh, of course, when I say morals, like, uh, you know, this doesn't go quite as uh, strike quite as deep as it does into, of course, like criminal law or anything 
anything like that. But there's a moral implication. Where do we see human beings, you know, being that stopgap in terms of judgment, you know, where even if if we find data that says, you know, yes, we could automate this and it might be faster and more efficient, we still want humans' eyeballs on it for for moral and ethical concerns. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an incredibly important point, particularly as lawyers, you know, it's not necessarily the case that we're just put on the scene to solve a problem, right? I mean, it's not like you get facts and you analyze those facts and there's necessarily one right answer. What we do more often than not is help our clients make informed decisions in light of their circumstances and use judgment to drive their decision making. It's not our decision making really their decision making about what they want to do in light of, you know, their priorities, their lives, and their own risk tolerance. Some clients have different kinds of risk tolerance, whether it's a corporate client or if you were, you know, a matrimonial lawyer, I think, you know, you'd have your clients with different appetites as well. And so what we bring is an ability to guide our clients along, but we also have responsibilities as lawyers to our clients, responsibility to provide that kind of tailored advice given their facts and circumstances. And so, you know, when we think about what generative AI can do these days, particularly given, you know, some of the current kinds of applications, you could put some of that information in a prompt, but, you know, the generative AI is not really in conversation with you. It doesn't really have the ability to say, well, you told me about this, but did you forget to tell me about this other relevant fact? It's not yet doing that. And even if it could do that, you know, there might be ethical and professional responsibility issues around it. But right now it's doing something more basic. And so we we kind of confront a different question, which is, you know, as lawyers, we have been taught to use certain kinds of tools. We use them all the time. We use databases of law. We know how to use them. We're trained to use them. And so, you know, as those legal tools are getting more sophisticated and start building in generative AI capabilities, those tools are going to go on the market there's a question of, have we really put the right guardrails in place, both from, you know, a technical perspective, is the tool doing what we want it to do? How would we know if it is? And how would we know if it isn't? And as lawyers, are we actually trained to know? I mean, we have got most, you know, in my generation of lawyers, we had years of legal education in law school on how to use tools like Lexis and Westlaw responsibly to get to the right understanding of the law. And so, you know, are we getting from an educational perspective, are we giving people enough training and education so that as lawyers, they can actually use the tools properly? And I see those as two kind of different issues because really with AI, most of the time what we're talking about is a human and computer working together to achieve an outcome, not necessarily just a fully audit, Mm. not yet at least. Even so, I, I would also, and correct me if I'm wrong here on, on my reading of it, I mean, to me, uh, a huge source of automation, I mean, there had to have been, I feel like I saw this in my everyday life, interacting with lawyers in different capacities, trying to get a mortgage, dealing in contracts. But, you know, a, a, a lot of contract writing is a lot of fill in the blanks long, long, long before AI showed up, you know, for a, for many areas of the law. All at the same time, you know, a lot of 
of the for, for the reasons that we've been describing the importance of, of human supervision in those workflows you know uh, of course many of you, you don't want just just an, a completely automated system working out your mortgage but other f- lower forms of, of contract writing you know <laughs> we all click on on the on the iTunes accept terms and limits without reading it and I'm sure that can just as all easily be written you know by an automated system eventually at some point but for those more automatic you know uh, writing capacities of the law I'm wondering in terms of of being able to to you know uh, build that out and fill in those blanks will a lot of that end up falling into that sort of second category you were discussing in terms of just those being data repositories with which we'll need to kind of like interact with and make sure human beings are kind of supervising you know a lot of the workflows in in that way in terms of you know a lot of the contracts that are just you know extremely automatable i I assume at that point or are are a lot of contracts you know automatable from your standpoint i know intelligent document processing is is a huge is a huge beachhead at least as far as the legal space is concerned yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's going to be a good amount of product development focused on the legal sphere with that kind of opportunity in mind. The idea that you could actually automate some of these, some of these processes, some contracts, some documents, and that you know you're really taking that first draft out of a lawyer's hand, putting it into a machine's hand with the idea that the lawyer is trained to supervise it appropriately. I mean, I don't think. The goal of many of these things is to just, I mean, hopefully the goal is not to just put something out there that no one has ever looked at or doesn't have the capability and the skill to look at. So let's, you know, let's assume that that's built in. And then, you know, some of the promise, particularly in the legal field where time is really of the essence for most lawyers, and that's how we kind of, you know, create value for our client is to make that process streamlined from a time perspective as well. And I think the rub is, how would you know if what you had done is correct? You either need a sophisticated lawyer that's done this before or someone who's trained to supervise the AI and understands the kind of mistakes that they can make. And so right now, as a senior, you know, as a more senior person, it's easy to say, oh, I would know if the AI did something right or wrong. That's easy. I know, I just know how contracts work, or I'm not actually, that's not actually my area as much, but you know, I would know if something was done right or wrong. That's a, an experienced person supervising an AI. I think the challenge comes from this question of what happens from a skill loss perspective if you have junior attorneys that aren't doing those first drafts anymore? Can they learn then to really exercise the judgment to supervise AI? And what kinds of education would it take to get them up the skill curve so that they could see if the contract was done the right way or appropriate for the circumstances, we're kind of, I think we're going to have to grapple with that as the legal profession and figure out how to answer these questions. It's not that the tool shouldn't be created, but it's a question of how do you know if you're using it in the right way? And how do you have, how do you figure out if you have the right skill set as a human operator? And that's, as you mentioned mm-hmm. before, that's not at all unique to the legal profession. This is an issue that, you know, I think the the military is certainly facing with yep. AI kind of co-pilots for uh, military applications. It's something, as you mentioned, that the medical profession is facing with the question of, you know, should AI, you know, AI-based radiology tools, should they be used as a replacement for doctors? Should they be used as a challenge to right. doctors? Or should doctors supervise them every time? That's actually a very interesting process choice. And there are these questions of competency, skill, and process to make sure that you're getting at the ultimate best outcome 
for the downstream user, which is the client or the patient. In other areas as well, in terms of AI, it seems as though that there are areas of the law that in in terms of the upcoming court decisions that everybody seems to be kind of waiting and seeing to see if they land. I mean, I, I, I might have a slightly closer proximity to this. I'm, I'm ex, also ex-music industry. But I know, at least from the music side, and they've seen what's happened with Dali in text-to-image, we've seen a lot of that area of, of, of content creators kind of react almost, almost late to the punch in terms of you know bringing up the copyright suits. More on the audio side, they seem to be trying to head that off at the pass. Uh, my point just being here that it does seem as though that there are huge areas of the law that will change exposure and that we're all seem to be, you know, waiting on decisions. A lot of technologists tend to blow these decisions off and say, well, this isn't going to fundamentally change the direction. Even so, whatever, you know, moat that these content creators can build for themselves now is going to make a real difference in the next five to 10 years. Just as we're wrapping up today's episode, are there just any areas of the law in terms of legal decisions that that you think are going to really drastically shape, you know, the kinds of exposure and how we come to think of, you know, the law profession and how it responds to AI as a technology? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think for me personally, I'm less focused on the kinds of decisions facing the legal profession because I think that that is going to shape out a little bit more through the application layer. And, you know, we have an individual professional ethics kind of statewide set of grievance procedures. And so what I would say is there are really interesting legal issues facing generative AI across the board, across industries that we are watching very holistically. As you mentioned, some of them are very focused around this question of copyright, not only on the issue of whether, you know, the use of large data sets to train AI models could be cast as infringement and whether there might be a fair use defense to that because of the creation of a new and transformative technology in the models, but also on the outputs, you know, can you claim some sort of creative expression in the output such that you can then copyright that output, which is incredibly important for, you know, the artists that are using the AI models to create. It's a whole different group of artists, but they certainly exist. And so, you know, I think we're seeing that shape up. We're seeing big questions come up. And I know we talked about this before around liability for AI and who should be responsible, which actors should be responsible for decisions or outputs of AI models? And should that depend on the kind of technology being used? I mean, these are big questions that are likely to come down the pike, both in the context of new regulation, but in the absence of that regulation, at least in the US, some of that is going to be decided through court decisions. And so I think everyone's going to be watching the courts as these disputes start to percolate up, because they are going to be defining for the industry and for the question of which segments of the industry can really advance and deliver on the promise that right now I think everyone is really excited about. Yes, there's just as much there's just as much excitement as there is a healthy amount of of, of dread and <laughs> and stress that comes along with with technological change. But to help us navigate it through it, we're glad that we have experts like you, Anna, to come on the show. Thank you so much for being with us these last two episodes. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Matt.
To hear more from Anna and an especially interesting subject given my background in global policy, don't forget to check out our August 22nd, 2023 episode with Anna, where she first appeared on the program. That episode is titled AI Regulations and Enterprise Legal Exposure. A really fascinating discussion of how AI technologies will open up multinational corporations to certain kinds of legal risk. Uh, I just encourage everybody to check out that show before we get into specifics. <laughs> On behalf of our head of research and CEO, Daniel Fagella, and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast. <laughs> <laughs>